It's the dictionary. Hello, word nerds. Welcome to the dictionary. You know what would be so great is if you did a rating and a reviewing on uh, Apple Podcasts and other places for this show. And of course, that means that if you watch this on YouTube, I would sure appreciate it if you subscribed and liked and commented and shared. Share everything, please and thank you. If you want to get in contact with me in some way, you can email me, dictionarypod at gmail.com. You can find me on social media at dictionarypod. Just go find some places. Just go search and you'll find me eventually. Uh, you can uh, comment, tag me, uh, share my posts. Um, just stare lovingly into their eyes. You can DM me and... Uh, what are some other things? You can call the Google Voice number. That's another good way to get a hold of me. You can leave a message on that number, 917-727-5757. And I will put it in an episode unless you say, please, no, thank you, no. Uh, let's see, a Public link in the show notes. You can buy some merchandise. Uh, you can go check out Jonah and Tom's music. Uh, they have separate music careers, but check them out. They made my theme songs. Uh, and if you have a joke for any word through the end of the alphabet, go ahead and email that to me. Just email, and I will keep track of it, and I will say your joke when I get to that word someday, somehow, maybe. Uh, definitely, if I remember. Uh, let's see. Mm, anything else? Did I miss anything? I probably did, but that's okay. Let's talk about the words. First, we have epipelagic. Epipelagic. E-P-I-P-E-L-A-G-I-C. Epipelagic. Adjective from 1940 of relating to or constituting the part of the oceanic zone into which enough light penetrates for photosynthesis. Okay, so this is where the the light is going to penetrate into the water of the ocean only a certain depth, only to a certain depth, because at that point the, the water gets so deep and light gets slowed down and uh, I don't know if the pressure is involved. For whatever reasons, the light only reaches to a certain depth. Um, and it's not, it's not so much the certain depth. It's the certain depth where photosynthesis can still occur. That there are plants at that depth that are still getting enough light to do their photosynthesizing things that they do all day, every day. Uh, to which, of course, gives them energy to live more. So that is the that's what would they call it, the epipelagic uh, zone, the epipelagic layer, something like that. Uh, okay, now it does not say any etymology. Um, let's see. In the previous episode, we had a word that was also about we had epilimnion. I think that was the word about the water. Yep. This one's so different though. Epipelagic. I wonder if pelagic is a. Uh, uh, a, a word, a part of a word, a suffix, a something, anything related. Hmm. There's definitely, yeah, pelagic is related to the ocean. Yeah. So epipelagic is uh, 
uh, ooh, is this is this even a picture of some zones? Yeah, we got the uh, the epipelagic zone. Oh, it goes to about two hundred meters. That's helpful to know for when you're swimming down to two hundred meters. There's the mesopelagic, which goes down to a thousand meters. Bathypelagic, we had that in the bees. That goes pretty deep, down to 4,000 meters. And then there is the abyssal pelagic, and that goes down all the way to, what, maybe 10,000 meters. Hmm. Oh, this is a good picture. Lots of information here. Interesting stuff. Okay. Uh, let's see. Now, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's sound effect time. That's the end of that word. Here comes another word, and my sound effect is going to be... Whoa! The next word is epiphanic. Epiphanic with a PH. Adjective from 1951 of or having the character of an epiphany. Of the character, wait, of an epiphany or having the character of an epiphany would be epiphanic. No clue how this word can get used in context. Uh, that's an interesting one. Please write me an example and send it to me. I would be very curious to hear that. Whoa! The next word is epiphanous. Uh, E-P-I-P-H-A-N-O-U-S. Adjective from 1965. And the synonym is the previous word epiphanic. So you can use either one, but the emphases are so different. Epiphanic or epiphanous, same word, same thing. Okay. What? What? The next word is epiphany. E-P-I-P-H-A-N-Y. Noun from the 14th century. We got a bunch of definitions here. Number one. This one is capitalized. January 6th, which for my time, oh, I forgot to say today is January 9th, uh, 2024 at 7.12 a.m. So just a few days ago, January 6th observed as a church festival in commemoration of the coming of the Magi as the first manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles or in the Eastern Church in commemoration of the baptism of Christ. And I don't know much about that stuff because I don't do the religious-y things. Uh, but that's that day is uh, Epiphany. What happened on that day? Well, they say on the Eastern Church, the Eastern religions, uh, they that's not the best way to say that. The, 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 the church is on the Eastern side of the planet when you're looking at all of most of our maps. Uh, that's the first... Com the com the, they commemorate, January 6th, Epiphany commemorates uh, the baptism of Christ. So does that mean that he was baptized on January 6th? I'm pretty sure all of those dates and numbers are all changed from whatever was possibly maybe real. Um, and then the other one was the commemoration of the coming of the Magi as the first manifestation of the Christ to the Gentiles. There's a whole lot of information I don't understand there. Number two, an appearance or manifestation, especially of a divine being. 
Oh, so we can sort of see how this evolved into what we think of now as epiphany. Whoa, I was struck by something divine. But in this one specifically, number two, uh, a divine being has appeared, uh, manifested to you. That is an epiphany. It'll be interesting to see what the etymology says. Uh, okay, now we have 3A1, a usually sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. And oh, these aren't these the best? When you something clicks, you finally get something. You you learn something. You you put some information together. You whatever it is. Oh, you have an idea. That's another form. Maybe that's one of these definitions. Oh, I just I just had an epiphany. I just realized this thing. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. That's the whole divine being thing. 3A2. An intuitive grasp of reality through something usually simple and striking. And the example of this uh this something would be an event. I think I need to read that one again. An intuitive grasp of reality through something like an event, usually simple and striking. And why is my early morning brain not being able to understand what this is saying? So is this saying that it's an intuitive grasp? So that just means you just intuitively have this understanding in you. You, you understand reality through this event usually simple and striking. I don't know. I'm sure if you want to explain this to me in another way, I would be more than grateful. I would be extra grateful. 3A3. An illuminating discovery, realization, or disclosure. Yeah, I can understand that one a bit more. It's similar to 3A1, a little bit different, but this 3A2 one, it's bugging me. Okay, 3B, a revealing scene or moment. So maybe in a play, a movie, a TV show, a story of some kind. Oh, this this scene reveals something um, important. So you would call that the epiphany scene. Oh, I had an epiphany. We'll see if I have any epiphanies during this recording. I highly doubt that that's going to happen. Okay, now it's etymology time. Uh, we have, let's see, this is from Greek epiphania, epiphania, one of those, and that means appearance or manifestation, from epiphanin, which means to manifest, which is from the epi prefix plus the word phanin, which is, of course, a ph, and that means to show. So feigning means to show a thing. You're showing a thing to the other people. Oh, like if I'm the divine being, I'm showing you this information. And then you put the epi in front of it, and that becomes to manifest. So you are then creating. You are showing it to yourself, maybe manifesting. That's a cool word. Uh, there's more at the word fancy. Fancy. Huh. Feigning to show to show, okay, so yeah, if you're fancy, you're showing how fancy you are. You're showing off. You're showing your duds, your hair, your makeup, your whatever it is. Hmm, okay. So, uh, did we learn anything? 
Did we have an epiphany about this etymology? Uh, yes, it's it's about showing, learning, manifesting, creating, uh, just something like, whoa, it's just, what, what? Hey, hey. Okay. So, oh, actually, so if we go back to the uh, number one, we're talking about Christ and that whole thing where this word originally came from. Um, they didn't have the word when Christ was born or baptized or went to the Gentiles. This was a word that was created later from Greek uh, to describe that time. So it's uh, supposedly he was the divine being, and uh, this, I'm explaining why we have this word for this. And so he was being shown to the the rest of the people. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, that's the sound effect. The next word is epiphenomenal. Epiphenomenal. This is an adjective from 1899 of or relating to an epiphenomenon. <laughs> and the synonym is derivative. Epiphenomenally is an adverb. Epiphenomenally. So derivative. Okay, I can sort of think about what that means. But instead, instead of thinking about that, let's talk about the next word. What? Epiphenomenalism. Epi, epiphenomenalism, eight syllables, noun from uh, also 1899, a doctrine that mental processes are epiphenomena of brain processes. And of course, we're going to talk about epiphenomenon, and the plural, I guess, would be epiphenomena. Uh, so the Epiphenomenalism is this this study, this doctrine, this idea, this theory, whatever, uh, that says that mental processes are the epiphenomena of brain processes. The brain is processing some stuff, and so then the what comes of that, I think this is what this is saying, what comes from that are mental processes. They are different. Mental and brain are different. It's, just, it's lots of stuff. Maybe we got to put a link in the show notes for uh, epiphenomenalism, and then you can learn more about that. But first, before we get to the links, we got to go. Oh. Epiphenomenon. Epiphenomenon. Noun from circa 1706. Uh, so that one was 1706. The other two words that we just read related to this one were 1899, almost uh, 200 years later. This is a secondary phenomenon accompanying another. So there's one, and then this is the secondary one that accompanies it. They're going on a date together, maybe. Um, oh, it's accompanying the other, and it is caused by it. Um, so that's that's the main definition. A secondary phenomenon accompanying another and caused by it. So there's a first phenomenon, and then the second phenomenon happens, which is the epiphenomenon. It's caused by the first one, and they go together hand in hand to the fields. Uh, but specifically, a secondary mental phenomenon that is caused by and accompanies a physical phenomenon that has no causal influence itself. 
no causal influence. So there is nothing. Now that seems odd. What I think it's saying is that there is nothing that caused the physical phenomenon to happen, which seems odd. It seems like there's always something that causes something physical to happen. But this epiphenomenon is the mental thing. What comes into your brain after the physical thing happened? Oh my God, I fell out of a tree. Now my brain, the epiphenomenon, the thought, the thing that's happening in my brain is, ow, that hurt. Um, so yeah, so then if we go back to the other words, uh, epiphenomenalism, a doctrine that mental processes are epiphenomena of brain process, that's not very helpful. Derivative means it sort of came from something else, that, which makes sense. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting concept. There's no etymology. It's a phenomenon. It's just a thing. A thing is the thing that happens. And epi, it's probably using one of these, these prefixes, this, uh, I mean, these definitions upon, besides, attached to. Yep, it's attached. It's a ph phenomenon attached to another phenomenon. Um. Yep, yep, yep. What after? That's another one. Okay. So, gotta just move on to the next word. Ah, mm, yeah. Mm, ah, yeah. Epiphram. E p i p h r a g m. P-H-R-A-G-M, noun from circa 1854, a closing membrane or septum as of a snail shell or a moss capsule. A closing membrane or septum as of, so is the snail shell itself the epiphram or is part of the snail shell the epiphram? And maybe we need to type it in to the old computer thing. And it's going to show some pictures. It's a temporary structure which can be created by many species or shelled air-breathing land snails, terrestrial pulmonate gastropod mollusks. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I do think I've seen this. Okay, so if you look, you look at a snail shell. Snail shell. I want to thank you for... I'm not going to sing that song. Um the opening where the snail can come out of the shell uh, can be covered by this thing called the epiphram. Uh, yeah, temporary structure. So this thing says a closing membrane or septum. Septum, yep, just closes closes the opening off. Uh, why they would want to do this, maybe maybe they do this when they sleep. There's a picture of one that's attached to a, a branch uh, so maybe they use this to, to, to stick to the thing. Maybe I would think sleepy time would be a great time for this. Um, and how do they do, do they, did they put, did, does it come out of their mouth? Where does it come from? I am, I, I, I'm, I don't have an epiphany yet about this epiphram, but I'm getting there. Epiphram. Okay. Uh, oh, this is from the Greek word, um, Epi, epiphragma. I don't know if that's how they pronounced it. Epiphragma or epiphragma. And that just means covering. That's all it is. Whoa. Next is epiphyseal. No, epiphyseal. Epiphyseal. E-P-I-P-H-Y-S-E-A-L. Also, epiphyseal. 
epiphyseal, and that one is spelled uh, with an I-A-L at the end instead of an E-A-L. Okay, this word, epiphyseal, is an adjective from 1842, of or relating to an epiphysis. Epiphysis, epiphysis, that's just a fun word to say. Just say it. Go ahead. Ready, set, go. Epiphysis, epiphysis. That's our next word. Whoa, 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 whoa. Epiphysis, E-P-I-P-H-Y-S-I-S. What does that spell? Epiphysis. Noun from 1634, number one. A part or process of a bone that ossifies separately and later becomes ankylosed to the main part of the bone, especially. The end of a long bone. The end of a long bone is the epiphysis. Um, part or process of a bone that ossifies separately and later becomes ankylosed to the main... So is this, what is this saying? Is this saying that the end of a long bone becomes bony later and then connected to the other bone, maybe this is something that's happening when you're uh, when you're an embryo fetus. Maybe hmm, that's an interesting one. If that sounds fascinating to you, if you are as confused as I am, maybe you should go look up epiphysis. Number two, the synonym is uh, I think it's pineal gland. It could be pineal, pineal or pineal gland. That is also epiphysis. Seems odd that there would be a word that means the, 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 the end of a bone or the part of a bone ossifying, but then also the pineal gland. And that, like, how is this gland related to bones in any way? Is it? That's what I don't understand. I don't know. I wouldn't think it would be, but maybe it helps in uh, ossifying bones. Um, what does it do is what I want to know. It's an endocrine gland. We were talking about those hormones. Produces melatonin, serotonin. Hmm, I don't know. I, I don't know. But why? I don't understand why we have this, this word is the same two, two different things for the same word. What? Um, but maybe the etymology is going to give us a bit more information because it is a Greek word, which means growth. So yeah, the bone is growing. Maybe the pineal gland or pineal. It is pineal, pin, pineal. I don't know what that's saying. But um, maybe the hormones that it releases help you to grow. Um, and this Greek word epiphysis is from epiphysthai, which means to grow on. And that is from epi plus phiasthai. I think maybe that's how you say that word. That means to grow. It also means middle voice of. Middle voice of. Hmm. Uh, and then this word is also from phiin, which means to bring forth. And there's more at the word b. B e b. That's epiphysis. Whew. That was a ride. Whoa. Oh. Next is epiphyte. E-P-I-P-H-Y-T-E. Noun from circa 1847. A plant 
that derives its moisture and nutrients from the air and rain. (laughs) It's not the way you're supposed to say these words. The flow is terrible. Uh, Okay, it is a plant that derives its moisture and nutrients from the air and rain and grows usually on another plant. Um, uh, Oh, epiphyte, that's what it is. Uh, and so this is uh, what th- I've heard of air plants. Maybe these are air plants. Um, it seems odd that they don't need to be in the ground. They don't need to be in the soil or the dirt to grow. The, they, they, they get the rain. That's important uh, because everything needs water, at least here on Earth. Um, and then the air. Like, what do they get from the air? Is the air important or is it just saying they don't need to be in the ground? They can be in the air. They can be growing on another plant, and maybe they're going to suck nutrients from that too. It didn't say. Uh, yeah, interesting concept for a plant. Oh, you know, uh, maybe I'll save that. Um, okay, the next word is epiphytic, adjective from 1830. One, of, relating to, or being an epiphyte. And that's the plant that we just talked about. Two, living on the surface of plants. So you don't need to be a plant living on another plant. Anything or lots of things that are living on a plant would be called epiphytic. They would be described as epiphytic. Epiphytically is an adverb. Yo, I'm just I'm just hanging out on this plant, so I'm living my life life epiphytically. Epiphytism, or is it phytism? Epiphytism, uh, that is a noun. Epiphytism, hmm. It's the study. It's the uh, it's the theory of being an epiphyte. Okay, the next word is epiph. Epiphytotic. I think it's epiphytotic or possibly epiphyte. No, I think it's epiphytotic. Epiphytotic, another fun word to say. If you like fun words, you should watch my video, Bulbous Buffon, which I did not write, but I did the, I did the visuals, uh, and it's all about just how words are fun and silly sounding, like this one, epiphytotic, E-P-I-P-H-Y-T-O-T-I-C. Adjective from eight, uh, circa 1899 of relating to or being a plant disease that tends, tends to recur sporadically and to affect large numbers of susceptible plants. Uh, so it, it occurs sporadically, randomly. Whoa, it's there, it's here, it's everywhere. What? It's like Roy Kent. Uh, and then it affects large numbers of susceptible plants. So if they're susceptible to this disease, it's going to be like, I'm taking all you mothers out. Epiphytotic, same word. It's also a noun. Adjective and a noun. Um, So the etymology doesn't give much, um, and it doesn't describe what this plant disease is. Is it... uh, Is it only going to affect these epiphyte plants it seems like uh seems like it would be related to those based on the word but it doesn't say i don't know i don't know 
Oh, yeah. Okay, got it. This sound effect has turned into just words. Okay, the next word is E-P-I-R-B, all caps, abbreviation for Emergency Position Indicating Radio Beacon. E for emergency, P for position, I for indicating, R for radio, and B for beacon. Emergency position indicating radio beacon. So I guess um, you you send out this radio signal, this beacon, and it's uh, maybe connected to GPS or something, and so people can come find you when you are lost at sea. You can do SOS, but this one is probably better. And maybe they, the people who use this, maybe they call it epirb, because that's what I would say, epirb. Epirb? The last word. Oh! It is apicia. 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 E-P-I-S-C-I-A. Noun from circa 1868. Any of a genus, and that's the word apicia, of tropical American herbs of the Jesneriad family that have hairy foliage. <laughs> hairy foliage. That one caught me off guard. And are related to the African violet. Violet. You're turning violet, violet. Uh, okay. There is a picture of one of these. Um, let's see. There are leaves. There are flowers. The leaves look kind of dark. And maybe that's uh, to show the hairy foliage. Maybe they look a little fuzzy. Maybe maybe I should look up an actual picture. Maybe we'll post a picture of one of these on social media. Go find it. Probably Instagram and threads are best and Facebook too. Um, and uh, you can see the pictures that I post when I get around to them. Um, yeah, I think I've probably seen these. Um, hairy foliage. Um, these pictures aren't do. You gotta, you gotta go. You gotta go to the garden store, and you gotta go find one of these apigias, and then run your fingers on the foliage, the leaves, and they're gonna feel maybe kind of fuzzy. Yeah, this one picture you could sort of see. It just has this interesting sort of this really interesting quality to the leaves. All right. Uh, the etymology for apigia, apigia is from the Greek apiskios. Apiskios, is that how you say that word? And that means shaded. Um, the, the leaves look dark, mostly dark. Um, so does that mean that, that that's the shaded, or do they like the shade? Some plants like the shade. They don't like direct sunlight so much. I don't know. I could read more, but I'm not going to. Uh, and this is from the epi prefix plus skia, which means shadow. And there's more at the word shine, shadow, and shine uh, come are related etymologically. It's just interesting because they're just kind of different. Okay, those were all the words. Pick in a word, pick in a word. Spencer's gonna pick a word of the episode. We had today epipelagic, epiphonic, epiphanous. Epiphany, epiphenomenal, epiphenomenalism, epiphenomenon, epiphram, uh, epiphyseal, epiphyseal, epiphysis, epiphyte, epiphytic, 
epiphytotic, uh, epirb, E-P-I-R-B, and apishia. Well, I thought the epiphenomenon and those related words were pretty interesting, um, but uh, like something happens, something physical happens, and then your brain connects to that. What does the brain do? What does the brain think after that thing? It's This is a constant thing that's happening, and some people put some words to it. Uh, but I think I'm going to just pick epiphany because I love happen, having an epiphany. Uh, I, I have a lot of epiphanies when I am doing this podcast. I'm learning words and etymologies that change my view of that word uh, or, or other things. Um, and um, it's, just, it's just a whole lot of fun. It's a whole lot of fun to have an epiphany. I highly suggest it. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, let's see. Other other times, not in uh, podcast land. Um, other times, you just you might be talking to somebody or having some sort of experience, and you're just like, "Whoa! Never really thought about that, or I didn't know that, and that has changed my world." So epiphanies are great. I don't care about the religious ones. I care about the real ones. Um, and now, it's time for movies. It's movie time on the podcast about words. Uh, all right, let's see. Where did we leave off? I think I left off here. I watched Napoleon. Very long, epic movie about a person who's just really irritating. It was really frustrating. Godzilla minus one. The title is a little confusing, but I believe what they mean... Uh, for the what they meant for the title is that Japan, at the, the time of when this movie takes place, Japan was already in a pretty crappy situation, and then Godzilla coming around took them into a negative. Uh, Japan was at zero, and Godzilla took them to negative one or minus one. Um, what else? Oh, and what else I want to say about that one? Um, I have really only seen a couple of Godzilla movies. I probably saw the original one at some point uh, when I was young. I saw the uh, the American one from the 90s, uh, late 90s, I think. Um, but I haven't really seen um, any other ones, maybe. I don't know if I've ever seen any. I've seen clips. I know the concept. Um, but uh, so I guess what they're doing is they're it's still uh, from Japan. Um, it's still in that world that they are creating, specifically Japan and not America. And it's, but they add more, uh, more plot, more human emotion to it, which is really good. Um, and because I didn't, I don't have as much experience with Godzilla movies. I don't think I thought it was as good as other people did because I just don't have it. I don't have something to connect it to. Um, but I mean, come on. The practical effects, the CGI effects, the story, the emotion, it's all very, very good. So, highly recommend it. Uh, Maestro, uh, Bradley Cooper, he's, he's really showing his, his skills as an actor, director, uh, writer, probably, too. Uh, and the makeup, the old age makeup was, phew, never seen anything like that. Um, yeah, really good. Never, didn't know anything about this guy, Leonard Bernstein. I think that's how you pronounce it. not Bernstein. Bernstein. Didn't know anything about him, so that was cool to learn. Uh, Die Hard. They re-released it in theaters for Christmas, so we went and saw it in the big screen, which was a lot of fun. Uh, 
Um, oh, well, let's lend, let's end on this one. It's a wonderful life. We went to the music box in Chicago to see this. Uh, Sharon had never seen the whole movie. Uh, it was, it was a, a yearly screening in my household when I was a kid. So we took my parents to go see it. And we did not realize, well, I think Sharon did, but we did not realize that this was a whole sing-along fun thing that they do at the music box. And so there was like singing uh, Christmas carols beforehand. They put the lyrics on the screen and Santa comes out and they've got a live organ player and the whole, everybody, the whole audience is is singing Christmas carols. And uh, it's just super silly and fun and uh, a weird thing to do with a whole bunch of people. Uh, But then during the movie, people are cheering. They're making jingle sounds when anything uh, related to Clarence or Angels is mentioned, or they're hissing when Potter comes on screen or capitalism in general. Um, And I didn't know that that was going to happen. And it was was very strange and fun. And I had a great time. So I think we're going to do it next year. Uh, okay, that's it. There was uh, no more things to say. This is the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening and watching. Uh, and until next time, this is Spencer dispensing information. Goodbye. How did this not get made is a podcast all about the films and TV shows that never got made. In this podcast, we uncover the history of these intellectual properties and walk you through the plot of these unmade scripts to determine if they would have been great or awful. Here's just a few other titles that we've covered. The Beatles, Lord of the Rings, James Cameron, Spider-Man, Guillermo del Toro's Haunted Mansion, Star Wars, Duel of the Fates, Superman Lives, starring Nicolas Cage, James Gunn's R-rated Scooby-Doo, and Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune, just to name a few. Episodes of How Did This Not Get Made can be found wherever you get your podcasts.